Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Keegan, for the reading of the word. How many excited to be here today? All right. Merry, merry, merry Christmas to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you look so good. I don't know about you, but this is one of my favorite Christmas experiences I've had in a long time. We got the disco ball. How many of you appreciated the disco ball and the snow? What is going on? Uh, Emanuela, that was an amazing song. Opera, and then the beautiful dance piece. And then I just want to thank all of our worship team and production. But I just have to give credit to Kanan uh, and Ashley who helped put this production together. Kanan, I don't know where you are at, but you are amazing. Thank you for putting all of this together for us. Kanan, stand wherever you are. He's, he's waving his hand right over here on my, my right, your left. Kanan, you are an amazing human being. Thank you for everything that you have done. All right, turn to your second neighbor and say, man, it's going to be good. <laughs> Can you bear with me? I might cough a little bit. I'm just getting out of some, some sickness, okay? But some of you here today, <coughs> excuse me, as I pass out. Um, some of you here today, uh, if you're honest, you don't want to be here, right? Your spouse dragged you uh, to this Christmas service. Uh, you would rather watch the dolphins pulverize the cowboys. And so when it comes to Christmas, the religious dimensions of Christmas, you're like, nah, that's not that big of a thing. It's interesting, right before I got up to preach, my five-year-old son announced that he likes the dolphins better than the cowboys. And so I have disinherited him on Christmas evening. Some of you are here today because you're profoundly happy. Some of you, uh, you're tired of bad cocktail parties, um, overrated Christmas specials. How many of you think we need to retire Elf? Really? At least we need to, there's a lot of Christmas movies that we need to retire. Can I get an amen on that? How many of you enjoy It's a Wonderful Life? That's the greatest, come on, yeah. But you're, you're here today and you've tried everything and you're searching, but you're unhappy and you're looking for something transcendent. Others of you today, you're here and the last 25 days, you've just kind of been going through the cycle of, of discontentment or distraction, right? You're buying presents, you're doing things for other people and you don't realize that you can't recognize the personal presence of Jesus in your life. Could be the fact that you are in and out line for 32 hours that can make anybody go crazy. But you're distracted here tonight. You're here, but you're not. Maybe you're overwhelmed with certain things. You got to get more gifts. Uncle Larry's coming over to the house and you're trying to figure out how to, how to do Christmas this year. Some of us here, uh, in other ways, for you, Christmas is a time of melancholy. It's a time of grief and sadness. And, and maybe even this last few weeks, your um, sense of anxiety has become more expansive and you're not quite sure what to do. You, you, you don't have a sense of hope. 
For those of you who are experiencing that, I do want to tell you that Jesus has a definitive, real hope and meaning for your life. And then there's some of us here today, maybe more than some of us here today. You set foot inside this building and you're ready to sing 52,000 Christmas carols. And unfortunately, most of us have really bad voices, you know? And you want to just suck the morrow out of the message and the opera and you just, you just, Christmas is your thing. How many of you, Christmas is your thing, right? You love Christmas, you're excited. Tonight, in, in the next like six minutes, I want to tell you the basic Christmas message and how every person, whatever group that you find yourself in, we all have a similar problem. And that problem, the Bible tells us, is that every human heart, everyone say every human heart, every human heart lives under outside of Christ in the shadow of darkness. You see, the problem with us is not out there. The problem with the world, not the Dallas Cowboys or Jerry Jones, the problem is not your spouse, it's not your job, it's not, it's not your genealogical tree, it's not that emotional script that you've been telling yourself your entire life. The problem of every human heart outside of Jesus lies inside of you and I. Solzhenitsyn, famous psychologist, had a radical, radical conversion with Christ in the first part of the 20th century. He was in Stalin's gulag. Doctor had come to him, a Christian doctor, led him to Christ. Later that night, this doctor lost his life. And then over years and years, and it turned into decades, Solzhenitsyn would talk about Christ and human nature. And this is what he says, that the line of good and evil is drawn through every human heart. You see, there's not one person in here that has the moral uh, quantity of goodness that can put you in good favor with God. You see, it's darkness that shrouds the human heart, and it leads us into confusion. For example, a couple um, years ago, I, I was working out a lot, okay? You can, I, some of you can tell I work out, you know, still. Um, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I wake up. My wife is right here, right next to me. She's fast asleep. I look at the corner of the room, and there's a man crouching. And so it took me a couple seconds. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to, like, like, you know, I'm a man in my castle. I got to figure out how I'm going to take this guy out. So I, I take the blankets off, and I leap towards this man. As I'm lunging towards this man, at the same time, my wife turned on the light, and the man in front of me was a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> what does darkness do? Darkness distorts reality. Darkness makes you think that, oh, if you get that job and you make like $5 million, that's going to bring satisfaction. Darkness tells you if you get that outfit and you get that next outfit, you get that next outfit, that somehow that's going to that satisfy that deep ache inside your soul. Darkness is futility. It tells you that the pathway to goodness is this way, but it only leads to brokenness. It only leads to hopelessness. It leads you away from Jesus. However, the good news of Christmas and in John's gospel, in his prologue, this beautiful masterpiece written about Jesus, John tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. And here's the good news. That light is overcoming the darkness. 
In other words, guys, no matter what you see out there in the world, the light, not the darkness, the light, not the darkness, the light is winning. So don't let your homeboy or don't let that amateur philosopher online or don't let that media conglomerate tell you that Jesus is losing. Jesus is not losing. Jesus is still smashing resentment and hatred and anger and sin and evil. Jesus is still healing neural pathways and bodies and brokenness. Jesus is still taking sorrow and the shame and the guilt that has marred our human personality and he's setting us free into a new life of blessing and hope. And if you've experienced this at all, can I get an amen? It's the darkness the darkness that leads us in human life into an unmitigated disaster. So how did Jesus become the light of the world? He is the light of the world ontologically. That means this is who he is. Jesus is not dark. He's light. But how did that light come to the world? And Christianity has always said something so staggering. And many of us find, oh, it's just kind of a cute little way to talk about how God came to us. But if you really think about it, it is utterly staggering the way God rescued the world and you and I is that he became a tiny little baby boy. That God decided to suffer on our behalf. Wow. The God who created bodies and brains and mountain ranges and the Milky Way galaxy the God who loves us decided to deal with the problem of darkness and sin and corruption by becoming a baby. In fact, when we like look at the long range implications of God, the staggering reality that God has become a baby, it reminds us that God understands the inside of every human experience. He knows exactly what you're feeling right now. He knows the brokenness in your marriage. He knows the deep resentment that has filled your heart that you can't even put a name to. God knows the terror of anxiety and depression that some of you have wrestled with for years and years. God understands the devastating effects of sin and rebellion and pride. Why? Well, God has become man. We find this in Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1, that God became a baby born in, not at Ritz-Carlton, which would have been nice. He was born in a manger, a feeding trough, right? Like we, science, like historians, experts, they're not quite sure if it was a stable that Jesus was born in or a cave or whatever. We do know that a feeding trough is for animals. So the God of the universe, the one who possesses all these incommunicable attributes, has the divine lifestyle of everlasting to everlasting, becomes a little boy and is born in a feeding trough. The divine son of God, in other words, appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than, than stare at you, wiggle a little bit. Anybody have babies here? A few of you? Uh, they make noises. They poop a lot, Right? Jesus became a little baby, needed to be fed and changed and taught how to talk like other little children. What is this? What is this 
mean? What are the implications of this? The Christian message is none other than God has made his love and his healing and his forgiveness and his life available, not just to the spiritual elites, but to every human person that wants it. And what we call this fancy word, the incarnation, that God became man. And for whatever reason, in the words of one author, God chose in the incarnation to let us fall as we suffer to be subject. God allowed us to be subjected to sorrows. Nonetheless, God had the honesty and the courage, again in the words of one author, to take his own medicine. The incarnation teaches us that he can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has gone through the whole human experience. Everyone say human experience. From the trivial to the worst horrors, he was born in poverty and suffered infinite pain for all of us. And he said that it was well worth it all. The God of love became human so that he could suffer for our suffering, that he could eventually go to the cross and absorb in his own body the dynamics of sin and corruption and trauma and pain and suffering, something that you and I could never do for ourselves. He did it once and for all for you and I. God became human to take our suffering, to rescue us from the darkness and if you love Jesus, can you give me an amen? amen? So how, as we close here, and I shout at you because I am tired, okay? How does this all work? Let me just say something really quick. I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care if you have your nice Christmas dress on. I don't care if you have the nice haircut. I don't know if you did some really good things this week. There's not one person in this room that can self-save themselves. Uh, therapy, great. Counseling, great. But we need more than therapy. We need more than counseling. We need more than good stuff that we do to rescue us. We need Jesus, the one who did everything on the cross, defeated sin, defeated death, took on all the sorrow and shame, and then he released blessing and forgiveness and newness of life into us. What we need to do is turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't save myself, but I believe you can. Jesus, I believe I'm not the answer, but you're the answer. Jesus, I'm going to turn away from this, and I'm going to put my trust in your saving work for me, that you absorbed all the stuff, all the sin, all the sickness, all the corruption in your body for my sake. And when you do that, the power of God will change you. Here's the really cool thing about Jesus as I close. When you look at the Gospels, Jesus sets people into motion. He'll go to a person who's static, kind of just whatever, doing their own thing, and he sets them through his power into a new, fresh direction. That's what I love about Jesus. Tonight, some of you have come in one way, one direction, maybe full of despair, maybe full of hurt and pain and anxiety and suffering and even sin. If you want it, you could, I promise you, you can go out a completely different direction. God specializes in fresh starts. The power of God is here tonight 
to radically transform your human personality, your mind, your thinking. And if you've experienced this at all, church, could you just raise your hand? Any experience this wonderful, transforming work of God in your life? Look, everyone, look at all these hands. Come on, come on. Can we give God a hand tonight? So I'd like to pray with you. This is the, the fastest Christmas message of my life. As you close your eyes, let's pray. If there's anyone in this room, you would say, Chris, I need Jesus. I can't save myself. Chris, I'm broken. And I realize that there is something wrong with me. And it's not just something outside of me. It's not just my spouse. It's not just the world. But there's something fundamentally wrong inside of me. And I want Jesus to rescue me. I want forgiveness of sin. I, I, I want newness of life. I want God to come in and create a Genesis week out of the chaos, out of the pieces of my life. I want the light of Christ to invade my person. I'm tired of the darkness, Chris. I'm tired of the darkness. And tonight, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. And this is something that you want to do. Here's the good news, that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That he's in charge of all of human history. That he's sovereign over sin and sickness. Sovereign over sorrow. And tonight, he can give you a fresh new start. Tonight, God can surprise you with his definitive personal love. And if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, you say, okay, Chris, I want to follow Jesus. I want that light. No one's going to look. I'm not going to ask you to do something weird. I would just like you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. And I'd like to pray with you. Anyone like that? Thank you. See those hands. Keep your hands raised. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. See that hand? Thirteen, fourteen. Are there any other hands? If you keep your hands, I see that hand. Fifteen. See that hand. Fifteen hands. Fifteen people recommitting their lives or committing their lives to Jesus. If you raise your hand, if you take it, put it in your heart, just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Church would also like you to repeat this just simple prayer. We're just inviting the Holy Spirit to come and take over our lives. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Give me newness of life. Fill me with your peace. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, and if you love Jesus, can you give him a hand? Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.